The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else, believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. O oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts always be acceptable in thy sight, for thou art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, happy Pentecost Sunday. Today we celebrate the birth of the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the readings today are particularly interesting, I think, because we see a theme of redemption in them. We see the big picture of God redeeming peoples, individuals, races, everything in the earth, if it's in the church. And I think it's important for us, particularly right now, to remember that this is something that only the Holy Spirit can do. Redemption doesn't happen outside of God. And so it is our duty, our mission, to proclaim the gospel so that redemption can happen on all those levels. To try to bring about it without the Holy Spirit is a fool's errand, frankly. And so we must redouble our efforts on that as the church. 
But as we look at scripture today, the um, other reading that I didn't inform Phil that I wanted him to read this morning is from Genesis chapter 11. And it's the story of the Tower of Babel. Do you all remember that story from Sunday school? How many of you have ever heard a sermon on it? A couple of you. Good, good. A few of you. It's one of those stories that we learn about, like, up until we're done with Sunday school, and then seemingly we forget about it. But Acts 2 is actually the redemption of what happens in Genesis 11. So if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to open with me to Genesis chapter 11. We'll look at that together. I'm sure the story's familiar. I'm just going to read nine verses here. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. They all have one language. And this only is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there... The earth dispersed them over the face of all the earth. The first thing to note is that the motivation of the people in Genesis 11. What is their motivation? To build a monument to themselves. To build something that will stretch into heaven. To put themselves on the level of God. To dismiss God's voice. To build a monument to themselves. And then we see God's act is to confuse and disperse them. Now that seems like a strange thing at first. Why would God want to confuse and disperse them? Well, simply so that they can't be as efficient in their sin as they would have been otherwise. Right? So it's a severe mercy that God visits upon them. But unfortunately, the result of that is not just to disperse them across the face of the earth, as he commanded Adam and Eve's offspring to do, but also to bring about competing peoples, to bring about isolation, to bring about contention. That conflict we see present on every level in humanity, from our personal relationships to our relationships with our brothers and sisters, 
in our community, sometimes even in the church. Let's face it, sometimes often, often in the church. And then, of course, in the wider community, right? We've seen that recently on display. We've seen what happens this week when people try to build kingdoms to themselves. And when people try to make their values, their people group, into God's. When we ask, when God asks us to build his kingdom, it is a kingdom, but it's the opposite of what goes on in Babel. It's a kingdom and a monument to him and his glory. It's a kingdom and a monument to self-giving, to the love of Christ, what scripture calls charity. When we build our own kingdoms, they can't help but being built on pride, arrogance, indignance, oversimplistic judgment, and stubbornness. Those are the foundations of our own kingdom. And the bitter fruit that comes from it is worse. Division, derision, isolation, and ultimately war, malicious hatred, and death. But God can redeem this for the world if it submits to Jesus and he can redeem or he has I should say redeemed the church already and so we are to be models we are to be models one of the things that I warned about in a previous sermon was that if building our own kingdoms is left unchecked and it starts very small it's not like most of us set out like the workers of the Tower of Babel, and say, I'm going to build a monument to heaven. It starts out very small in our hearts. But if it's left unchecked and unaddressed, we lose our ability to resist the devil, and he gets a foothold in there, and things start to get worse quickly. It's a pattern of sin, and patterns of sin always start small and grow. So how can we be aware of this? How can we address it? How can we submit ourselves to God's will to redeem it and to be models of that to the world? Models of his redemption and his merciful care. Well, part of our job as the clergy is to preach to you, to expound upon the word of God. But there's other parts to being your leaders, and that's to teach you. And last week's sermon was one of strong teaching. It was very intellectual. It dealt with the mind, with the head. And if those of you that couldn't see it because Facebook Live kept really messing up last week, um, one of the key points in it was that we are constantly assaulted by our passions. Now, passions include our desires. They include our emotions. They include things that move our soul. And if we're not careful, we can dismiss our God-given reason, our God-given discernment, our Holy Spirit-given theological virtue, and major in our passions. And so we talked about that in, on the intellectual level last week. Today, 
we're going to talk about it on the heart level because that's really important too. So I would like to invite Deacon Mark to come down and we're going to do something a little different. My wife said this was a little artsy-fartsy, but um, we do that once in a while as Anglicans, right? We want to share with you. Oh, it's on wheels even. Look at that. We want to share with you how redemption can happen in relationships from one of our own experiences with each other. We're being a little vulnerable here. I hope that's okay. But beginning at the beginning of this time of quarantine, um, all of us had raised and heightened passions. And yeah. so one of my sermons was to address that. But Mark, would you take over? Yeah. Um, one of the things we're learning as we watch what we're passionate about, what comes out is, we all have uh, a list. Uh, we don't consciously populate it, but we have the most important things in life and it runs down to the least important things in life. And normally we operate somewhere around, do I want Coke or Pepsi? Uh, but recently, the situation we're in has forced us up and we're, we're frequently operating in those top tiers. Uh, what, what's my number one? Um, and so dwelling in those, we're really passionate about what's going on. Um, and it's easy to fall into being uh, driven by our emotions, which are not wrong. Emotions are not inherently wrong. Uh, they are subject to fallenness. Uh, they're a telltale sign. What we do with them matters. Um, and going back to the sermon that Father Sean was preaching, we had been talking about a topic that got covered on it, uh, and we were at odds on where, where do we rank these things on our list of most importance. Uh, and as the sermon progressed, uh, it, it really hit a nerve with me. Um, and in that sermon, I felt that uh, my listing had been judged. It had been judged and found wanting. Um, and that's very hard for us, especially because we don't arbitrarily populate those lists. You know, we're, we're making, we're trying to be faithful and making those lists uh, subconsciously. We're trying to follow God. Um, so that was the experience. The, uh, something was said. Uh, it was actually a specific line in the sermon. Do you remember it? Uh, I do. Do you, do you want me to? Go for it. Okay. It was the line in the sermon that was talking about um, this week, uh, he said something to the effect of, this week uh, I've seen a lot of people who think they're acting in love and they're actually acting in fear. I was like, hey, hey, you're talking about me. <laughs> what? You don't know my heart. You don't know what I've been choosing. How dare you judge my love? Uh, you think I've got things out of priority? Great. I think you've got things out of priority. And, right, and, and, and that's the opportunity. That's the opportunity to fall into uh, that judgment, that condemnation, um, the anger, which leads to, uh, it can lead to hate. 
Um, I think it was indignance in your case. Yeah, in my case it was indignance. Although bitterness, you know, bitterness is a, a, a close bedfellow to that and will follow quickly. And we really got to be careful about guarding our hearts and not letting bitterness set into our hearts. Uh, we've been called to love each other. Uh, and defending our hearts against that is really important. So that's what happened with me. Um, and I think it's important that in that sermon, and this is a technique we use when we're preaching sermons, Father Sean didn't call anyone out by name. He just made a statement. Uh, I was the one who assigned it to myself. And, and we do that in sermons because we let the Holy Spirit walk with you to judge, right? The Holy Spirit convicts. Uh, and we let him lead you to, is this for you or is this not for you? Um, but also part of that is it's not always the Holy Spirit, right? Yes, that's and true. I, and I think that might have been the case here. I can't speak for you, but um, what, what would you say to that? Um, yeah, m making, making that list is really complex because it's constantly changing situationally. Uh, it, it, it actually reorders at times. So whereas preserving life might be top tier in one situation, it actually drops down to a lower tier in another. It really depends on the situation. Uh, and so uh, it's really complex. I mean, it's, it's something we're actively talking about and kind of mulling over and uh, something I think we're, we're gonna be doing really for a while. We're realizing that we're learning we believe things we didn't even know we believed. Uh, that's what's coming out in our passions. And some of those things are, are good and healthy and we need to. And some of those things we need to check against scripture and say, man, did, am I learning that I need to do a little reorienting? Um, so that, that's what was going on for me in the midst of that sermon. What was going on for you in the midst of that sermon? Yeah, so... Um as I've been praying and reflecting on things, I, I felt something was off. Do you ever have that feeling where, where you, don't, you can't put your finger on it, but you just feel something's off in yourself? Um, and I want to be clear that I don't think I said anything wrong. It was all theologically sound. It was all sound. theologically sound. But I think where my heart was at times was not right. Um, rather than being a loving father, for you. Um, there have been times over the past six weeks where I have been reacting out of frustration, out of anger, out of disappointment. Um, and it's not fair to take that out. You know, I think one of our jobs as preachers is to try to filter that, but we're still men. And so we don't always succeed. And um, so there was fault on both sides here. Yeah. Um, in not, it's, it was sneaky. It's not an overt sin, <laughs> like, like you think about, right? Like, it's not like I went up and told him off, or it's not like he came up and punched me, right? Might have wanted to. Thankfully. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but it was a sneaky sin, insidious in the heart. And, and I think that that's what I mean when I say these patterns start small. They start small. And very quickly, however, they can 
break apart relationships. Hmm. They can break apart relationships. And that's what we saw. We saw distancing, and not of the good kind, yeah. right? Alienation. Alienation. And we wanted to share this with you because, look, it happens to us. And just as the apostles are teachers and preachers and models, so should we be teachers, preachers, and, and models. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to model when we mess up what to do. Yeah. And um, anyway, I found myself not acting in charity. I found myself being expressive rather than instructive. So what do we do when that happens? Thanks, Deacon Mark. Yeah. What do we do when that happens? Well, Scripture has a method that's outlined throughout the epistles. Sorry, I'll stand up here. Um, and it's a five-step method. Now, it varies a little bit. You know, we're not creating something super codified here. But here are the five steps that I see. One, there's self-examination. Two, there's contrition. Three, there's repentance. Four, there's forgiveness. And five, there's reconciliation. Notice reconciliation can't happen until five. Reconciliation is the last step. It all gets messed up when we try to make reconciliation the first step. So what do I mean by those five things? Well, self-examination, what is that? That's listening to the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? It looks like reading your Bible. It looks like being in prayer. It looks like looking at yourself and letting the Holy Spirit say, hey, hey, Sean, that's, that's not of me. That's a little out of order. That's a little disproportionate. You need to address that. So there's a recognition, right? A self a self-evident recognition. And when we come to that, it's important we go to the next step, and that we're contrite. Right? What does it mean to be contrite? It means that we lament our sin. It means that we don't like what we did. We don't make excuses for it. Right? The next step, repentance. Well, we hear about that a lot. Right? What does that mean? Well, it means that it's not good enough just to feel bad about your sin. In fact, if you stop there, that's pretty hopeless. But to go to the next step and repent from it, to turn around, that's what repent really means. You've heard me preach on that before. To do a yui, to change directions. Four, forgiveness. Well, forgiveness is both asking God's forgiveness and asking our neighbor's forgiveness, right? So I've repented. I've decided that I'm not going to do that anymore. I ask God's forgiveness. I ask my neighbor's forgiveness who, who I committed the offense against. And finally, then, and only then, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can we take the steps of reconciliation to restore the relationship. That process is incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard. If you've ever done that with anybody that you love, you know that, right? It's, it, it's hard. It, it takes courage to engage in that process. Deacon Mark and I worked through that together. And you know what? It's worth it. 
It's worth it. Not only is it commanded, but it's incredibly satisfying. So the Holy Spirit uses that to redeem relationships between individuals, nations, and peoples. Now look at Acts chapter 2, the Pentecost reading for today. Because we'll go back to kind of a larger scale view of this. What's going on at Pentecost? The Holy Spirit falls on the apostles, and there's these people from all over the world. All of those hard names, right? The Cretans, and the Arabians, and the Phrygians, and the Pamphylians, and the Egyptians. Think about how the apostles must have felt with the gospel being for all those different people, some of whom were their traditional enemies. Right? Romans, for one. And yet, the Holy Spirit falls on them and gives them the power to do what? To reconcile? No. Not right away. To preach Christ. Look what Peter does in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you. And give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, but this is, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And then skip down to verse 21. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the radical inclusivity of the gospel. This is the path to reconciliation. Something that only the Holy Spirit can bring on the individual level, on the family level, on the people's level. The apostles are modeling that for us today. As we come back together as a church, it's really important that we get this right. Over the past few weeks, We've all had different priorities shifting, as Deacon Mark said. Sometimes we haven't known what to do with that. Sometimes we get it wrong. But as we look at that with one another as a body, and maybe with our extended family even, those that we love, we have to be able to go through that five-step process if necessary before we come to the altar. Jesus says in Matthew 5, Verse 23. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Now, when we come to communion, it's true that we're receiving the gift of God, but 
it's also true that we are bringing an offering, our offering and praises ourselves as living sacrifices, we say in the Eucharistic prayer, before God. It's really important that we make peace with our brother or sister before we do that. So I want to invite you, if that's the case with you, if you do some self-examination and you really feel the conviction about that, don't receive today. Don't receive today. First, go to your brother or sister and make that peace. Make that reconciliation through that five-step process. We're going to have communion at both services next week because I don't want you to have to miss a week um, as we alternate services if you choose to do that. If you don't choose to do that, if, you, if you've done that or feel that everything's going all right, then please do come forward and receive. Um, or maybe make a plan <laughs> to do that this week. I want to address this with you as a congregation. As I already have said, there have been times when I've acted not out of fatherly love, but out of frustration and anger. And at times that's come, I've done my best, but that's come through. That's come through. So I want to ask your forgiveness as a congregation, as individuals for that. I don't want to move forward just ignoring that. So I'm sorry for that. Please forgive me. And I ask that you would do that with one another. That's the first step. The Holy Spirit is constantly working in us. Unchecked sin can't be ignored. It grows. It becomes worse. It becomes a pattern. It leads to separation, isolation, and spiritual death. God desires that we would have fullness of life with one another and with him. So let us be courageous in this time and seek that forgiveness and reconciliation and be a model that is so desperately needed in the world today. Amen.